morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, how are you this morning? Oh man, I'm just fantastic. Are your headphones a little loud? Oh, they're so loud. <laughs> so loud. <laughs> your, your ears were just about popping out of your head. Oh, no, that's mine. Mine have disappeared now. <laughs> okay, so I'm back on. Um, it's, good. it's good now. I was like, what? Whoa, what is going on here? Lawson, tell me, what are you thankful for this morning? Oh, I'm thankful for pizza. Pizza. Because it exists. Pizza. Oh, something I haven't... Pizza. You, you do know that you are suddenly thankful for something that is going to give you a heart attack, right? Yeah, but it's, it's going vegan to clog... Wild. It's vegan wild. Oh, ve- vegan pizza. Yeah. Vegan pizza. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. I saw, actually, something I haven't talked about on the radio yet is I got a new car, so I'm really thankful for that. You got a new car? Yeah. And you never told me? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, Why not? We'll go have a look at it in, in the break. We will. We'll, we'll have a look. But yeah, I got a new car and it's really great. So, yeah. Cool. That's fantastic. What are you grateful for, Lars? I am super grateful. I'm grateful I'm back on air. Oh, yeah, true. For, for now, anyway. <laughs> back on air for the time being, so that's good news. Um, yeah, still no idea what the future holds, but we're back on air. So, whatever we're back on air, we are celebrating. Amen. This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the TuneIn radio app. What do we have coming up in our show, Lyle? Uh, we're going to talk about um, Nazis. Oh, it's my favourite thing to talk about. <laughs> it really gets me excited in the morning, you know. We're going to talk about Nazis and we're going to talk about Greenland. <laughs> because those things go in hand that in is, hand, right? That is like, I'm thinking of a way that they go hand in hand, but that's just awesome. Yeah, I'm keen. <laughs> I'm keen. I got, I got, uh, we're going to talk about crocodiles as well. Okay. We're going to talk about crocodiles. and we're gonna I talk thought you about, were doing positively different news this morning. Yeah, yeah. It's positive news about crocodiles. Um, there is such a thing? Yeah, as, trust me, there is. We're going to learn really? all about Are it. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm positive, Lyle. You just have to keep listening. All right, if all you right. want to hear positive news about, about crocodiles, crocodiles... This might be the first time in your life. In, ever in your life. This is going to be amazing. Actually, you some people hear. love crocodiles. Yeah, I know. A lot of people like crocodiles, you know, on their belts and shoes and whatnot. <laughs> no, no, don't say that. <laughs> Stay... Well, I come to the garden alone While the dew is still on the roses The voice I hear falling on my ear The Son of God discloses And He walks with me And He talks with me And He tells me I am His own and the joy that we share as we tarry there, nobody else has ever known. He speaks, and the sound of his voice, all the birds hush their singing. And the melody that he gave to me is in my heart. Just a ring, a ring, a ring, a ring, a ring, and he walks with me. And he talks with me And he tells me I am his own 
and the joy that we share as we tarry there. Nobody else has ever known. You're listening to Daniel Martin Moore with In the Garden here on Faith FM. Lawson, hit us with a clue for our quiz. All right. First clue for the quiz. What am I? Proverbs 11.29 declares that this will be the only thing inherited by a person who brings trouble on his family. Oh, look at that intense stare. I take a stab. Oh, did I did I stab anywhere near it? I no no ah. big, <laughs> big incorrect. Okay. So sorry. Right. That means that uh, double prizes are up for grabs for this. Indeed of course, they are. we do a quiz every single day, and we always give away a prize. But if Lyle doesn't know it, and I'm you back do, on air, and I'm wrong already. That means <laughs> that means that you have the opportunity to get double prizes, and you can do that by giving us a call at one eight hundred. Three two four eight four three, or texting us on oh four nine one zero six four six six nine. Of course, the prerequisite is the fact that you need to have the right answer. And also, we're giving away an amazing book. It's called Spirit Baptism and New Wine Fellowship by Dennis Smith. This is an awesome, awesome book about just um, how you should do life and your relationship with God, and and um, yeah, you know, just having that new experience with Jesus. Um, that's incredibly awesome and inspiring. So, yeah, give us a call or a text um, if you want to win the book, if you know what the answer is. Of course, I gave you a scripture reference. So, if you're at home, you know. No, no cheating. No cheating. Oh, no. Cheating not allowed. <laughs> we, we, are, we are looking over your shoulder. <laughs> okay. Well, no, we are not looking over your shoulder. God is. God is watching. <laughs> Rough. No, you're allowed to cheat. You're allowed to look yeah. it up. You're allowed to cheat. It's, we don't mind. Uh, Proverbs 11.29, you'll know the answer. But... Lawson, um, tell us about um, Lawson, who is thankful for vegan pizza and was also talking about crocodile skin shoes. Um, (laughs) Tell us about crocodiles. We want to hear some positively different news about crocodiles. So, so this is a bit subversive that it's positively different news. But um, basically, a a man um, from up Darwin, Northern Territory way, he fought a crocodile. And he won, um, but not without getting bit on the leg. Okay, but if he survived that battle, then that is definitely positive news. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Anyone who walks away from a fight with a crocodile... No, anyone who crawls away from a <laughs> fight with a crocodile, 
um, is definitely positively, positively different news right there. Yeah. So basically, a man from the Northern Territory, Elson Lummi, um, he stepped on a 3.6 meter saltwater crocodile. He stepped on it. He stepped on it. By accident. By accident. Right. Yeah. And so he stepped on it and was basically forced to, you know, that's a 12 foot croc. Yeah. Yeah. That's a a big (laughs) crocodile. That's like twice my size length. And he's like, you know, basically forced to fight it because it started like biting at him and and basically he he got away he, he, this is this is his this is his quote you can't really blame the crocodile for um trying to bite him after it's been stepped on yeah oh, you know a crocodile's going to be we as humans are the world's apex predator mm-hmm. and you can't uh blame crocodiles for freaking out if somebody steps on them yeah like a hundred hundred percent but this is hectic he's just like oh look like he steps on the crocodile because um, he's like kind of they're wading through some like super shallow water. Oh, okay. So he stepped on it in water. Yeah, he steps on the crocodile, and it like, it like the crocodile come up and then just like pounced at him and flipped him over. Um, and then he says here that they had this moment. They like looked each other in the eyes, and he could just see that crocodile like saying through its eyes like. I'm going to eat you. And so, <laughs> old mate was like, oh, oh, man, I need to, I don't need to get out of this situation. Um, and apparently, uh, yeah, he, he, like this guy, he like punched him in the nose like three times. Um, and then, it, like eventually, like the, the crocodile, which had a, his jaw on his leg at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like had him bit at that time. He like kept punching him in the nose and the crocodile let go. Wow, and then and then the crocodile came back, and he, you know, um, and then he said like he was holding his jaw with his hands, uh, but then he was like getting weak, and yeah, it was just it's just absolutely wild. It's basically the croc, in 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 a super interesting way, he just kind of got scared and like went away. Like, now was he on, uh, was he alone, or was he with, with some mates, um, or did they step in to help, or did they run for their lives? Um, so this guy, uh, Mr. You know Elston, uh, he was out hunting with his friends. They're yep. out like hunting, and you know his dogs are there and whatnot. And basically, yeah, he was. They're about thirty minutes from the car, like thirty minutes deep in the bush. Mm-hmm. And so, it's when a good this, thing they went further away. Yeah, yeah, super good. But basically, yeah, Biddy's he, he got two bites to the leg. It like tore up his shorts real bad. Um, and so once the crocodile eventually went off, luckily one of the people there had some uh, some some paracetamol, some Panadol. He took some of that and they bandaged it up and basically just helped it helped him hobble back to the car and went to the hospital. And then he got airlifted to Darwin and. Stitched up and, and... And now he's living to tell the tale about the time where he fought a crocodile and won. Yeah, not, many, not, not too many people live to tell that tale. Not many, not many people <laughs> out there carry the wounds and the scars of having fought a, a crocodile off and come away alive, uh, particularly a large crocodile like that. Mm. So, um, yeah, well done to him. Yeah, dude, that's just awesome. Like, imagine you can just point at that scar. You know, every scar has a story. And, like, when you have a scar that people can see, there's, like, always the question. And they're like, oh, where did that come from? Where did that come from? And I have friends. It's like, oh, yeah, I fell over on the road or something. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, I fought a crocodile. That's what this yeah. thing on my leg is. Uh-huh. Like, I just, I just had a fight with the crocodile and I totally beat it up. 
(laughs) (laughs) Great story right there. Great story right there. Well done. Praise God. Um, Yeah, praise God. Um, Finally, of course, I like when I talk about positively different news. I like to talk about different things that are going on in the in the research and development scientific world. Super amazing things that are going on in it. Yeah, in our technological world and. this is really, really cool. A group of high schoolers um, from the Philippines have basically invented a device um, that generates electricity from sound waves. Okay, so you set it beside the freeway and it just makes electricity all day long. Yeah, essentially. That's pretty cool. So basically, like how much electricity? Like, like is it usable amounts of electricity? So che- like, could you could you run all of your street lights just on the sound of passing cars? Well, check this out. This is this is really cool. So they've basically made this generator in a way they've they've taken like a standard speaker, right? And basically, a speaker it like generates um, you know electricity to emit sound. Um, but this particular speaker is equipped with magnets and coils that generate um, electricity whenever it's hit by sound waves. So they've basically <laughs> they've inverted the use of the speaker. Um, and at the moment, like, you know, oh, okay, how much power is this thing putting out? Well, at the moment, um, it's putting out enough power to power, you know, some small lights and that kind of thing. But the thing about this, the thing that's been really impressive and that's got a lot of, it's opened a lot of people's eyes is the fact that they've used a speaker that only costs $4. In okay. fact, the whole thing costs $4. The speaker, the coils, the magnets, everything and by using sound waves in this $4 speaker, they have enough electricity to power this light. You also have to... Yeah, when they sort of talk about powering this light, is that like one LED, which sort of, you know, you could um, power with kind of nothing? Or is that a significant light? Yeah, it's a relatively significant light. Okay. So, so it's something there. And this is the thing, is that like, you know, this is a bunch of high school, like year 11s. Like a bunch of yeah, yeah, no, no. This is cool. This is a very cool story. So it's like, so this basically, is a super cool story. If a bunch of seventeen-year-olds have made a device that costs four dollars that has the ability to generate electricity, well, then using like the the model that they've created, how much better could a university do with a couple hundred thousand dollars and several engineers and se- yeah, professional engineers? Like that's the thing that people are really blowing up about. It's like okay, so these kids have ingeniously created this thing that creates electricity from sound for no cost and like no technical understanding. Let's see what we can do if we put some money behind this. And so this is the beginning. This is the start of something. See, we could bigger. electrify our churches by preaching. Oh yes, that's where the power comes from. There is power in the word. There is. There There is is power in the word. When you read the word of God, there is power. That is amazing. Just lining the roof with like all these things, and you're just like, yeah. If you if you sing really loud on on at church, and if you preach really loud, well then, bam! Like you've got electricity for the whole day. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. It is. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to mess around with that and do a bit of experimentation and sort of, <laughs> you know, see where that could go. Because I mean, hey, there, there would definitely be an object lesson if you could build one of those, bring it to church, power the lights for the church um, for a service, and you know, preach a sermon on the on the on the fact that there is power in the Word of God, and <laughs> you would have an object lesson that would last throughout the uh, the entire period. That's anyway, awesome. this is uh, Chris Ross with Before the Throne. Chris Rice, I should say, before the throne of God. Before the throne of God above, 
have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of my guilt within, Upward I look and see him there Who made an end of all my sin Because the sinless Savior died My sinful soul is counted free For God the just is satisfied To look on him and pardon Behold him there, the risen Lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness. The great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die. My soul is purchased by His blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and Welcome back to Faith FM. We are continuing on with our show here today. And before we get into our next uh, our current news section, we're going to do another clue for the quiz, which Lyle doesn't know yet. And if you know the answer, you can win double prizes. So give us a call, 1-800-324-843, if you know the answer to this quiz. Are you ready, Lyle? I'm ready. Okay. The Lord God Almighty is he who forms mountains, reveals his thoughts to man, turns dawn to darkness, and creates this. Okay, okay, okay. No. Ah, still getting it wrong, still getting it wrong. So that means double prizes are still up for grabs. 1-800-324-843, and you will have two books. I think I might have it right. I think you might be just using a wrong translation over there. Free. You should not use wrong translations. No, this is correct. Yeah. You don't know. You don't know. You just don't know it. You just just don't know what's going on. We will see. We will see. What's going on? Okay, let's talk about Nazis. (laughs) Oh, Yes. Okay, so Armitage Auctions in Launceston, Tasmania has 
um, 60 different items of Nazi memorabilia. <laughs> nice. Um, and of course, this is causing a tremendous stir. Should these items even be for sale and should an auction house involve themselves in the sale of Nazi memorabilia? Now, what's your thoughts on this, Lawson? Because, um, of course, you know, Nazi memorabilia is mostly associated with, you know, terrible atrocities, particularly atrocities against, mm. uh, Jewish people. Uh, but not just Jewish people, of course, um, other, other people groups that were persecuted were, uh, gypsies, um, Jehovah's Witnesses, um, homosexuals, etc. Mm. Unless you were Herman Goering, of course, and then you're immune from that, but. Yeah. Okay, so my thoughts on this is firstly, the biggest problem is that it's in Lonnie. And um, yeah, no one likes Launceston. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're earning some brownie points here from a person who's from southern Tasmania, but from everybody in northern Tasmania, you've just offended them all. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, there is a bit of a, well, there always used to be when I lived down there, a bit of a north south thing in Tasmania that we used to do for fun. And uh, of course, Launceston is the uh, unofficial northern capital. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it raised some interesting questions. And I know that, um, well, my assumption was that in the past, and, and I thought that this was the case, that anything containing a swastika uh, was banned from eBay. However, I just t- typed swastika into eBay and it came up with a huge amount of uh, Nazi memorabilia. Mm. So it's not something that is illegal, but is it something, you know, there are you know a number of uh, people groups uh, that are very concerned about the fact that these items yeah. are being traded and sold. Mm. Um, should we be concerned about that? From my opinion, coming from someone who's like incredibly interested in history, I think you know what use is like buying this memorabilia for. And I know, like myself and a number of people, I I know would buy it for the purpose of, oh, hey, I've got this classic historical, you know war memorabilia that is has historical value yeah the value behind it is you know a terrible part of our history but that's just the same as um you know if if i had some memorabilia from the french revolution or from the civil war like all times in history where terrible things happen and there were terrible atrocities but the value in that is not that i subscribe to the 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 idea behind it but rather i'm you know, I have memorabilia from that famous historical Yeah, event. so basically what it comes down to is um, are you buying it to support Nazi ideology or are you buying it as a, you know, a serious historical collector? Yeah, exactly. Militaria. Exactly. And which might raise an interest, you know, because uh, my son and I have a small collection of Militaria, which does include uh, a number of Axis items, uh, some of which are Nazi items, one of which has a swastika on it and you know i don't collect those because of the ideology or to promote the ideology behind nazism i think the ideology behind nazism and particularly you know persecution of different uh people groups that uh that the nazi party supported um and and practiced i think is absolutely horrific and should be condemned in any way shape or form however we should not forget our history it is important to remember history and um, history is often best remembered by, you know, collecting basically what is museum pieces. Mm. And it enables us to then tell the story of what took place. And the interest in those pieces really is based around the horror of what that ideology caused. Mm. Now, if you're going to be a neo Nazi and you're going to, you know, 
fly a, a flag at the front of your house and 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 promote you know what was um, actually taking place in uh, you know in Nazi Germany. That's that's a different kettle of fish. I, you know, my son is a is a collector of flags. He's very much into vexology, mm. which is um, the study of flags. And you know, trying to buy a Nazi flag is going to definitely get you flagged by all kinds of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> buying a Nazi flag is going to get you flagged by ASIO, I'm sure. Uh, might not be the smartest thing, and a pretty, pretty difficult kind of item to buy. You know, you can go down the street and you can buy a um, a USS a US. SR flag, yeah, I, I, a Soviet flag. That's no problem at all. I've actually bought one <laughs> for Harley's why, birthday party. Why would you buy a Soviet flag? It was you know, Harley's and when, birthday when you think about it, the Soviets, um, the Soviets killed more people than the Nazis did, um, and committed more atrocities than the Nazi did, Nazis did. But you can buy their flags because uh, they were on our side. You know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of mm. situation during the Second World War. Yeah, and so I sometimes I I see a certain level of hypocrisy in how we try and police these kinds of things. Mm. Um, but yeah, we do need to remember, and we need never to forget the evils of Nazism and the evils of um, persecution that came about as a result of Nazism, persecution of people because of their race or their religious belief. Mm. Um, and you know, this is what happens when you, when you get an illiberal society, um, and in this case, social Darwinism, uh, comes to the fore and it creates all kinds of, you know, terrible things in our world. Mm, Anyway, moving on from that story, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Greenland. We did say that we would talk about Ah, Greenland. Yeah. Which actually has nothing to do with Nazis. Uh huh. Um, but... Um, the data is now starting starting to come out now that, uh, of course, Greenland is heading out of summer and into uh, winter. Mm-hmm. The data is starting to come out on the 2019 Greenland ice melt. So this is really, really interesting. So this was the, uh, the, the, the biggest ice melt of all time on record. They lost more than uh, 30 billion tonnes in the first three days of a heat wave that hit. That's a lot of ice when you think yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, so, just to put that in perspective, in three days, so much ice melted that there was enough to flood Tasmania um, half a meter deep. <laughs> that is that's a, a lot, lot of water. water. That's water. A, you cover an area the size of Tasmania half a meter deep with what melted in three days. Um, another significant factor that came out about this was that the highest mountain in Greenland is three thousand meters, about nine thousand feet high. And in the past 2,000 years, it has only ever, on the top of that mountain, got above zero seven times. Oh, okay. That's in the last 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. Out of those seven times, two of them have been in the last seven years. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit scary. That's sort of like now becoming a bit of a regular occurrence rather than a freak one-off. Yeah. Um. And uh, what did they lose? A third of a trillion tons in one month. So in uh, August, September, they lost enough ice to flood Tasmania with 4.7 meters of water. 
That's nearly five meters yeah, of water. That, yeah, start to think like, about that for a moment. That, that's like as deeper than a swimming pool. That's ridiculous. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and um, over the over the uh, over the entire year, uh, they lost three hundred twenty nine billion tons of water. And the other thing that's interesting is that you know because obviously the ice, you know, increases and decreases summer to winter, mm-hmm. but the amount of ice has been on a relentless downward spiral, spiral, spiral since two thousand and three. So up until then, yeah, fairly stable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since 2003, it's just been going down, 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 almost um, bottomlessly. One of the things that they're finding interesting is not just about warm air. It's about warm water. So the air is warming the water. The water is rising. It's going further inland. It's causing the um, glaciers to break off further up near their source, creating bigger icebergs and all melting away. We'll be back again with our interview of the day after this song. See the
Welcome back, guys. Time for another clue for our quiz. Before we get into the interview for the day, what have you got for us there, Lawson? All right. Next clue for the quiz, which Lyle doesn't know yet because he just doesn't. So if you know what it is, give us a call, 1-800-324-843. The next clue for the quiz is, God used this to divide the Red Sea for Moses and the Israelites to cross on dry land. Okay, well, let's have another crack at it then. Oh, and Lyle's finally correct after many attempts. So, therefore, no double prizes up for grabs, but you can give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and you will get New Wineskin Fellowship, Spirit Baptism and New Wineskin Fellowship, completely for free. We have Baron Neustraten joining us on the phone this morning. Welcome to the show, Baron. No, uh, thank you. Uh, very happy to be here. Now, Baron, of course, is a... Well, it, Baron was a, a, a semi-regular last year, but it's been a while since we've had you on the show, Baron, so I'm super excited to have you back again. And uh, Baron is an expert in... Uh, he's a, a keen researcher in Hebrew, um, in creation, uh, in the sanctuary service of the Old Testament, many other subjects that uh, that Baron really sort of uh, gets into. But we've been talking about creation in particular last year, and we've got some more interviews coming up on this subject. And so I thought that before we get to those over the next uh, week or so, it would be good to have a chat with Baron and to remind ourselves about some of the uh, some of the things that the creation account in Genesis chapter one actually tells us. So, uh, Byron, we were going to talk about um, uh, day three and day four of creation because last year we talked about the earlier days and particularly wanted to talk about the separation of the waters on day three. What's that all about when the Bible talks about the separation of the waters? Yeah, on day three, Lyle, it was a horizontal division of the waters because we have a land mass and we have an, a, a sea mass. The previous day, day two, we have, of course, the introduction of the atmosphere where there is a separation of waters in a vertical sense. So we have the planet covered with water because it's still smooth. And we know now and have known for hundreds of years that there's enough water to submerge the whole world in about one and a half kilometers of water. Uh, it's interesting that uh, that Moses was aware of this as well, quite uh, fascinating, three and a half thousand years ago. The separation of the waters from the waters in the vertical sense indicates that there was a, uh, what shall I say, vapor layer globally, all around the globe, which of course had a tremendous impact on the climate. 
and uh, the paleontology supports such a uh, occurrence. Uh, it is fascinating because the water vapor is still water. Uh, it would have allowed the visions of the of the moon and the sun and the stars, and uh, uh, it would be so fantastic to realize that an atmosphere is absolutely needful for sustaining organic life as we know it, and the Bible facilitates that particular occurrence. Okay, so if we've got the whole planet covered by water and then we've got the land being separated from the water, what have we got happening here? Is this like massive earthquakes and, and, and this kind of thing where the land is being pushed no. up? No. No, what happened? This is an, an, an act of creation. Uh, it's very hard to find a naturalistic ex, uh, explanation, but obviously uh, the there was an indentation of the Earth's crust which facilitated the oceans, but not as the oceans as we know it. The reality is uh, that we uh, would have had a very different ratio of land mass to water mass, uh, Lyle. So I, I, I would say that the, uh, the actual land mass was much greater than the actual sea mass. Right, so we've got a large, you know, the, the majority of our world is covered by sea right now, whereas you're saying that yeah. uh, before the flood, Correct. the minority of the world would have been covered by water. Yeah. We have about five-eighths of the global, of, of the planet now submerged in oceanic waters, and that would have been very different uh, before the flood and the, the, the catastrophe. That's place. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So if we've got if we've got dry land, you know, appearing and this these kind of events that are taking place here on day three, how does the Earth's crust actually stay stable as a result of that? Yeah. Look, the instability of the Earth's crust did actually occur, and the Bible reports to that, and that's quite a fascinating uh, aspect. It says in Genesis seven. Uh, uh, verse 11, the latter part, it says that on that day all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and then the windows of heaven were opened. And that is, of course, the beginning of the catastrophe of the flood. Now, there would have been subterranean systems of an enormous proportion that would have provided artesian wells all over the place. And there would have been a, an absolute stability because the earth crust was not damaged. And so uh, it is noted in Genesis 7 verse 11 that the earth's crust had to be disturbed before you could expect earthquake and seismic movements that that make it so unstable. It's when the water sisters, the water, subterranean water, uh, gets in touch with the uh, stenosphere. And the Mount St. Helens was a prime example. We all remember her, that uh, eruption in 1980. That was all done by, by water, uh, basically, water vapor. It, it is a tremendous force uh, when water gets in touch with the, the melting masses of the stenosphere. Yeah, that's fascinating, particularly when we consider that, you know, people who study... Um, you know, landscapes today, you know, point out the fact yeah. that all landscapes in the world are created by water and uh, something yeah. we, we often don't really stop and think about. Okay, so we've got this, this, we've got this separation between uh, water and land. We've got, you know, a tremendous amount of water then obviously being underneath the land. Yeah. The next thing that takes place after that is the, the creation of flora. Um, yeah. What's 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 that all about, and why does it come at this particular point? 
Yeah, the 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 things that you need, you got to bear in mind that the flora was there on day three, um, and the actual sun as the source of light was on day four. And so the interesting thing is that the light that was there on day three was suitable for the the, the flora that uh, was created on that day. And uh, the flora, as you know, was created after its kind, and we still see that clearly today. There are, uh, you know, subspecies, but a kind is a kind. Banana tree produces bananas, apple tree, apples, etc., etc. So um, that is a reality that's observable today, and it had to have, in order to be able to exist, it had to have an atmosphere which was really created on day two when the waters were separated from the waters in the vertical sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the the light that existed before the sun obviously was a form of light that produced heat as well. Yeah, it would have sustained the uh, the water in a uh, in a liquid state and and allowed evaporation to have the outer mantle layer of water vapor. Uh, which was so significant to the early ecology, which was so different before the flood than after what we observe today. Uh, yeah, that is correct. Mm. Now, looking at the fossil records, um, what do the fossil records tell us about you know, antediluvian uh, ecology, the pro- troposphere and um, so forth? Okay, I, I think one of the most interesting ones really is the coal layers that we find uh, all over the world. We find coal layers within the Arctic circles and at Arctic circles, which is fascinating because coal is compressed vegetation. For every 10 feet of, of compressed vegetation, you get one foot of coal on average. And it is fascinating that you find it uh, at varying thicknesses all around the world. And the other fascinating aspect of coal layers is that all coal layers contain carbon-14, which means the age of the coal can only be expressed in thousands of years, not millions of years. Yeah, that is truly fascinating right there because, I mean, you know, right here in Newcastle where we are, it's it's a coal city. There are massive, massive coal seams around here. Yeah, there is another aspect even to the coal. Uh, I mean, the coal... um, as you say, as we know, is that compressed vegetation fossilized. Um, the ratio of the coal, of the carbon, in fact, in the earth, under the earth's surface, is so much more than the carbon that we have in flora on the face of the planet. And there's an incredible ratio, which is about 1 to 170 which indicates that the flora before the flood was so exuberant, so much, much, many times over what we see today. Uh, And that is very significant. If you combine it with the fact that it can only be thousands of years old, it does point to a much better ecology facilitating the growth of flora in such an extent that we don't know today. Now, one of the things that I find interesting, particularly here in the Hunter Valley, is the massive coal seams that we have that they estimate, you know, may have taken vegetation a thousand feet thick to create. My question yeah. is from a evolutionary process where things are taking place over millions and millions of years. Okay, so you've got some vegetation, it dies, it uh, yeah. falls down into a swamp, 
Um, but then it has to be preserved until it builds yeah. up to be a thousand feet thick and then gets covered and then turns into coal. All of that happening without it, you know, sort of rotting and disappearing and vanishing away. Yeah. I mean, to me, that just seems to be a tremendous stretch. Well, it is an incredible stretch. Firstly, we are not observing anything today that has uh, a process like that. It just uh, theoretically couldn't happen. And also, observably, it, there's nothing, no processes anywhere on the planet that uh, evolve like this. So uh, that is not something that is supported by observation. The other necessity is that you need, in order to have uh, a fossil of any kind, and after all, coal is fossil, you need a rapid submersion in um, sedimentary uh, uh, material that then becomes sedimentary rock. And so basically the process proposed by evolution is not a physical possibility. Mm, most interesting. Baron, we've got three minutes left. Let's talk about uh, day four. And we've got two great lights turning up on day four. What are those? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a fascinating verse when you actually uh, go to the actual verse itself. Uh, there are different applications, but I, I will just uh, go to verse 14, and uh, where God says, let there be lights in the firmament, that is the rakia, that's the atmosphere, it's observable from the planet. Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And so uh, the, the, the incredible thing is that with the Hebrew language, grammatically, you have a facility, uh, Lyle, that we do not have in English, and that is an object link. An object link, that is an object, is the sub, what, whatever is the, the, what is created in this instance. Um, the, the object are the sun, the moon, and the stars. And the problem that people have come across is that if the stars identify the stellar heavens, that is uh, what we can see by telescopes and, and etc., if that was created on day four, some 6,000 years ago, how would you explain the massive distances that we can be more accurate about today than ever before of millions of years? And in fact, there are stars that we considered stars, but they're actually galaxies. So we discover more and more. The reality is that the Hebrew text, the Hebrew text does not propose that the stars, the stellar heavens, were created on day four. In fact, the syntax, that is the structure of the sentence, um, is actually against that. If you look at the verse there, uh, so uh, God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser to rule the night. He made the stars also. And in your Bible, he made would be in italics, even though it is actually a correct translation of the ambient of the sentence here. What Moses wanted to, to express to his readers is that he uh, emphasized that God made the stars also, that is the stellar heavens. Okay, so he made the sun and the moon on day four. On day four. On day four, yeah. but he also um, made the it's stars. But it's, he's, not giving, he's not giving yeah. an actual date or a time frame for when the stars were oh, made. Oh, no. He's just, he's just stating no, no, that they were made. Yeah. The, the Hebrew text does, in, in the first place, not compel you in any way at all 
to believe that the stars, the stellar heavens, were created on day four. It doesn't do that at all. In fact, the author is going out of his way to separate the creation of the moon and the, and the sun uh, from the actual creation or making of the stars. Yes, yes. Baron, we are out of time. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I wish we had more time to uh, to talk about that particular verse, but I think you've made a, a really good point there. We are out of time right now. We do have to uh, move on with our show, but thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. Yes. God bless. You too. And uh, we look forward to joining Baron again when he comes back and uh, spend some more time here on Faith FM. of our God and King Lift up your voice and with us sing Alleluia Alleluia Thou burning sun with golden beam Thou silver moon with softer gleam Oh praise Him Oh praise Him Alleluia Wind that art so strong, ye clouds that sail in heaven long. Oh, praise Him, Alleluia. Thou rising morning, praise, rejoice. Ye lights of evening, find a voice. Oh, praise Him, oh, praise Him. Drugs or alcohol a problem in your life? Alcohol Drugs Assist, or ADA, is a 12-step recovery program designed to help you escape the hold of addictions in a friendly and judgment-free environment. ADA meets regularly, and if you'd like to attend, give Peter a call or text on 0487 907 879. That's 0487 907 879. 
Yes, I've just found a great op shop in Albury. Really? Where is it? It's the Adra Op Shop at 805 David Street. They have all these cool clothes for the whole family and great stuff for their house as well. And the people there are so friendly. They love a chat. <laughs> Sounds good. It gets better. If you mention you heard this ad on Faith FM, you can fill a bag of clothes for just $5. Well, I'm in. When is it open? They're open every Wednesday and Thursday from 9 to 3. Looks like we'll have to make a day. Remember, it's the Adra Op Shop at 805 David Street. I'll see you there next week. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Bye. Bye. 
Calvary. 